This is a story of sexual abuse that led to a life of bondage and crime, the sex industry and addiction. This is a story of forgiveness of sins, the health and wellness of love, and the miracle restoration of relationships with a wholeness in God. When you have a dysfunctional family and you got so much going on, there's no telling what can happen within that structure. And there was, uh, my, my mother and my father weren't happy in their marriage. And when she left him and took us her two daughters away, I had three other brothers, but they were up in age. And when she took us away and disappeared, I think that probably might've brought on some anger. I don't know, I really couldn't define that, but I do believe that there was some bitterness and hate, uh, anger within there that started it um, with my dad, because it did start with my father. Further on, it went on with other people. But it was just, it was in the beginning, it was my dad, which was the de defining part of my, of, of the enemy destroying my life. Because your father is the person you look to, you know, for, to save you, to protect you, to love you, to, um, he is the instrument, the instrumental part of what you look to further in life, of what you're going to do, I mean, who you're going to marry, how your relationships go further on, the relationship between a father and daughter. Are, are very, very important as is us to God. And so that the devil used that to come for me in a very negative way early on. So he must've knew something <laughs> that um, it was gonna happen and because he came for me as a child in that way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's pretty much how I can define that. Can you share maybe a story of, of what happened? My mother left my father and she sent us back after they, she thought they were cordial, she sent us back to him. And he told her upon sending us back that she would never see us again. And if she entered, came back to California, she would die. He would kill her. And so um, that was a pivotal point for my mother to grow a, a lioness spine. But um, during that time of her trying to get back to us is where the abuse started. It started about, I'd say, a couple of weeks in after he got us. And I was, it was me and my sister, and I was the only one that was being abused. So every other night he would pull me from my bed and um, sexually abuse me. And it, this went on for a certain amount of time. And every night during those, those, those days, I would dream of my mother. And my mother would be in my dream and I would hear her voice, Marquesa, and I'd look up and there she was. And then I'd turn over and go back to sleep. And then sometimes I wake up to my father taking me to his room. And then one day, I woke, I, well, I heard a voice, Marquesa, Marquesa, get up, baby. And it was my mother, and I thought I was dreaming. So I turned back over, and she says, baby, get up, we got to go. And I looked, and it was her. And she was there. She came for me. She came for both of me and my, for me and my sister. But my sister wanted to stay. She was not being abused. And my dad promised her a pony, so therefore she stayed. And that was the end of the abuse with me and my father. But it did not stop. It was like a free-for-all. Once that started, um, it was uh, young, older children, older kids. Um, I was just being abused on a regular basis. As soon as it was like, as soon as I got alone with someone, they took that advantage. Uh, gratefully, my mother moved me and her in with my grandmother, and she was the most holiest woman you'd ever want to meet. And she beat Jesus into us. I mean, literally, we had church, 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 church every day, all day. We lived at church, drank, eat. It was just church and. That's where God got a hold of me. That's where at five years old, that's where God got a hold of me. Mm -hmm. So you really, you had this wonderful relationship with Christ, but all this stuff was going on in your life. How, you know, how did you like 
continue to say to God, like, what are you doing? Did you abandon me? Yeah, there were times uh, as a little girl, it actually becomes because you're so little and you can't, you can't comprehend what's happening or why it's happening. So as a little girl, you just internalize it as your fault. And so you just deal with it and, and which is still horrible, but it's, it, it's the framework of God and how his grace covers us in order to protect us because mm -hmm. if it wasn't him, I probably, who knows, you know, but as I grew older, thankfully my grandmother instilled so much of God in me as I grew older as a teen into my womanhood, the deed was done. So the damage was done. So I was already making these bad decisions for myself. Mm -hmm. And I would question him all the time. Why? I hadn't done anything to deserve it, but you know, this is the way I imagine life is um, for those of us who are chosen by God. Mm -hmm. So I, I did not realize that at the time, but I did understand that God was with, with me no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, when I was a little girl, I spoke in tongues and I caught the Holy Ghost and was speaking in tongues and prophesying. And with my cousin, and I were playing church and they would watch us and have a ball with us while we, I used to mimic the preacher and make fun of him all the time because I thought that was funny. Mm -hmm. But then when I got the Holy Spirit, I realized there was something different about this. And that is what stuck in me. Along with the pain that the enemy stuck in my root system, hallelujah, God stuck his salvation in my root system, hallelujah, to protect me. He was already making a way out mm -hmm. for me to live the life that I am called to live. I didn't know that at the time. So I lived this life all the way up until for many years. And I indulged in so many things. Um, I got into prostitution. Actually, I sold drugs in high school. I was a cheerleading, drug dealing, you know, gang banging little girl. And I just, I, I actually lived two different lives. At school, I was a cheerleader and da -da -da, selling drugs under the bleachers. And I'd go to my father's on the weekend, sell, you know, parties, sell drugs, and go home to my mom where I was the perfect little girl. You know, so I'm living this lifestyle. And at the age of 16, we went to a party and driving through Hollywood, I seen all the prostitutes lined up up and down the street. Mm -hmm. And in my twisted mind, I thought there must be a better way to sell your body. This is, this is insane. Literally, that's how I thought. And so I got into, um, call, I got into a business uh, and I was a call girl. I became a madam. And then um, I had this business of just, uh, you know, making uh, these appointments with men traveling around the United States and meeting up with men and, and making a lot of money doing it. And that became my God. So um, while the enemy was doing what he thought he was going to destroy me, um, even within that, I still had hope. And I, I don't know why. And it's amazing when I think back to it, Nancy, because I don't understand the power, the power I didn't then, the power that God had on me to keep me. Mm -hmm. I mean, his grace kept me. It really did because I could have died of suicide. I never contemplated it. Mm -hmm. I never had those things that other people deal with. And that's why I am so hard pressed to share my story because no matter what you're dealing with, God is always with us. We may not feel it because of the things that we're involved in, but he was with me that whole time, guiding me through all the hell that I had been through. And I had to um, just go on that. I had to go on that. And it came to the point where I just had had enough, mm -hmm. had enough. Yeah. Um, I believe that's where the rubber met the road and all my grandmother's prayers that came to fruition, you know, so. Yes, we need somebody to be praying for us. And your grandmother was behind the scenes sending up those prayers to the throne room. Yeah, she so God bless her in the throne because she's up there with Jesus now, I'm yes, sure. Yes, she's she is. enjoying the angels. Um, 
Yeah. So, so I, I like to know, like what, at one point, at what point did you get out of this? What happened? I was homeless. And, um, by this time I met my now husband and we were living homeless under a tree and this tree would encompass everything. So you you couldn't see, they couldn't see us. And he had left one day and, um, to go do something or whatever. And God came on me so hard. Uh, I was crying. I was broken and I had had enough because I had never really been homeless to that point. Um, you know, after so long of living for Satan, he's going to take you down. He's going to take you down to a level where, you know, hopefully death is not your bottom. And I, we were that close. We were getting shot at on a regular basis. Um, you know, interracial couple in the hood was not acceptable. So there was a lot of friction towards us. My father was in prison. Uh, my father was a very dangerous man anyway. So he was, um, you know, he had this enterprise. So before he went to jail, I was protected. Once my father went to jail, I was not protected. So we were free for all. I mean, and so we were living this day-to-day, okay, corral kind of life in, in the hood. And it just came to a head and I just couldn't take it anymore. And I just sat under this tree and cried under the blanket of a tree, you know, and I just cried and cried and wailed. And the Holy Spirit came on me like nothing before. And I just asked God to save us. And that day we went to my grandmother's house and my grandmother informed me that Michael was the man I got intended for me to marry, which was a joke to me because there's no way I was going to marry this man. No way. Okay. And so <laughs> my grandmother had a fit. Don't you tell me what God told me? Da, 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 da. And she welled into me and I'm like, yes, ma'am, I'm sorry. But then when she told me that, because when she prophesied something, there was no doubt. So I just, I literally, I, I just, I went to God and I was like, okay, then save him. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally like, like he couldn't do it. I, I was a smart aleck. Oh, well, that's the case and save him. And no more than two weeks later, Michael did not even know anything about God. No more than two weeks later, the man was packing up a bag and was just leaving everything we had acquired behind. We had a car, we had this, we had that and drugs, but he just flushed the drugs, left the money um, everything, little things that we had in the vehicle, everything gave this, put the car on the side of the road. He, and I looked at him, I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm out of here. I'm done with this. I'm leaving. And I was so awestruck at what was going on. I was like, what am I supposed to do? And he reached out his hand. He goes, are you coming? And I was like, yes. So I had not really realized that God had, he had answered my challenge, you know, and he saved the man that he was, that was going to, eventually lead me in life as the man of God. And he was, you know, and Michael had no idea. But the wonderful part about that is, is that it just continued on with him. And our story really takes, I mean, it's, God was miraculous in our story. And that was when I knew that this was the time. This was the time. And we left and got on a bus and everyone laughed at us and called us fools and this and that. We got on the bus and never looked back. And that's where the story took off with God. And I mean, and before, in between all that, there was so much, so much, um, so many attacks and attempts on our lives, so much hate and so much whew, evil. It was just unbearable. And God saw us through all of that. We should not be here, but God saw fit that we are. And we made it through. And with that, our salvation took, started taking off and the miracles of God started taking off. And within a year, we had a brand new home. 
And um, all my, my mother had my children because I refused to raise them in the state that I was. I was able to bring my mother and my children to my new home. This is within one year of saying yes to God. And um, it was just miraculous what God was doing. And then again, I hear my grandmother in the back of my head, that's the man God sent you to marry. She would, you know, it was never, you never wanted to hear from this woman, but you knew you needed to. And so, yeah, that was the fact with that. And he, he, he did all these things instrumentally to show me who he was and how powerful he was. And that no amount, no amount of hate or destruction that even I could put on myself or what someone else put on me has any factor of bearing on who he is in me. And that is where the strength and the power of God came from. Um, but the next chapter of that story is where my dad, my dad and I had always maintained a relationship. It was just different from the moment he abused me. I never trusted again. I never believed in, I didn't even have a great relationship with any men. Or did I believe in what men could, I, no, man, no man could take care of me better than I could take care of myself. I would not give them authority over me. I wouldn't even kiss men. So once God broke me of that fear with Michael, um, and we were married and happily married, uh, I got a call from the hospital. My father had a massive stroke, suffered a massive stroke. And I was the only one able to see him or go, go to him. And when I got to the hospital, there he was, which I thought he was dying, trembling and shaking and, and trying to get, he couldn't speak because of the stroke. So he was trying to just say something to me. And I, I, I asked the doctor, what's wrong with my dad? I thought you said he was doing better. He was stable. And he said, well, he was. So they're checking to see what's going on. And he reaches for me and he's trembling and he's trembling and he's looking at me and tears are running down his eyes. And I said, what is wrong, daddy? What's the matter? And the room just was still, quiet and still. And I could hear a voice say, he's sorry. He's sorry. And so God was speaking on behalf of my father. Mm-hmm. He's sorry. And so I looked at my dad and I said, I forgive you, daddy. I forgive you. I realized my dad needed to hear it in order so for, him to be for, for him to feel forgiveness. He needed to hear me say it. Because I know that even though he might have been on his deathbed, he needed to let that out. And that day, the Holy Spirit fell on me like it had never fell on me before. The prophecies became more intensified. The gift of the gifts in, in the spirit became more intensified. The Holy Ghost would just minister to my spirit in ways and speak to me. I could look at a person and tell them about themselves. It just, I became my grandmother, literally. And it was amazing. And I was able to let my father go in that sin that he had lived with all his life. But not just that, my pastor came, and when he woke up, I led my father to Christ. I was able to lead my daddy to Christ that day. And that was the best day of my life. That was the best day of my life. And that's the main part of the story for me. I know that forgiveness, if I had not forgiven my father, I was able to give him that, the power, the Holy Ghost would not have came on me, and God would not have unleashed what he had what he unleashed onto me and the floodgates wouldn't have opened the way that they did. Forgiveness is key to salvation. It is key. And that is something that I want to minister to people. We live in sin for so long and we live, we live in sin that had nothing to do with us in the first place. We take it on and we live with it like it's ours and it was never ours to own. And I want people to know that you can let that go. You don't have to live in that sin and in that past because even though we think we are forgiven, deep down there's always something in the root that keeps us there, silent and secret. That's how crafty Satan is. 
He wants us to think that we're okay, but we're not. And we need to let these things out and let them go so that we can be healed and transformed. And that's kind of pretty much a nutshell. There's a lot more, but that's pretty much what God has done for me and has opened up so many avenues and doors and windows for me to soar through because of it. Mm-hmm. And now I know I get to see my daddy when I go to heaven, which is the best part. He accepted you know? Christ at the end of his life. Yeah, you well, know, he actually got to keep him for another year or two. He lived for like two more years. And I, I got to sit on my dad's lap for the first time in 30 years. It was amazing. You know, these things yeah. are like, you know, that's, that's victory. Yes. I mean, come on. But I never thought of doing that ever before until that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was saved by God's grace. Um, but when you were talking about your father, I was having um, just once in a while, I get like a, like a little vision quickly. I was envisioning a, like one of those big, heavy dumbbell weights, like yeah. square. Yeah. Like when, when you oh. forgave him, Ooh, I saw the dumbbell square yes. fall. Mm-mm-mm. yes and yes. so with people that are having um issues with themselves about forgiving others when you forgive someone you release it mm-hmm. because when you're holding on to it you're going to continue to lift it's going to be weighing you down and weighing yes. you down and weighing you down and making you mad and frustrated and and angry and but when you forgive that person truly ask jesus to help you forgive that person Mm -hmm. he can do a work in your heart and he can change everything he changes he transforms yeah so my next question to you is is how could you help somebody especially a a, you know a parent maybe or someone on sex trafficking can you help them Yes. Um, first and foremost, the statistics on abuse is extremely detrimental and um, devastating. Uh, so people really don't understand the effects because I think we learn to live with it and we don't talk about it because it's such a taboo uh, subject. And Satan really loves to keep that suppressed you know, so that, he, that, that there's no glory you know, and we hide it. And um, I want to help people understand that because there, there's so much to um, the abuse, the sexual abuse that follows after. And, uh, and it says that experts estimate that one in 10 children are sexually abused before their 18th birthday. 30% of children are abused by family members, which is true. As many as 60% are abused by people that family trust. 35% are victims, are, are victim, are, uh, victims are 11 years old and younger. And this is the key part for me. Do not, 73% of children don't tell anyone for the abuse for at least one year. 45% do not tell anyone for five years. And some never disclose at all. They hold on to that forever. And survivors of childhood, childhood sexual abuse are 10 to 13 times more likely to attempt suicide. Um, the key here is 70 80% of sexual abuse survivors report excessive drug and alcohol use. And, and it goes on and on. Okay, but, and, and the key is here, for, especially for uh, trafficking, is what they recommend is the problem with that is that the trust issue that people have is the lack of acknowledgement that sexual abuse could happen to, you or to your children and your family. 
if it had not happened before. Some people don't even know it's already happened. And so the conversation needs to happen. These uncomfortable conversations must happen. Questions need to happen. Healthy conversations on your body and how to pr protect your body as a child. Um, there's, there's dialogue on how to do that and how to minister to your child in a way that this not uncomfortable for them. It's kind of a little bit uncomfortable, but it's not as uncomfortable to do it as it, you know, if it's going to save their life. Um, and to keep a close watch on your child at all times, even amongst family members, not to live in fear, run around thinking that you got, you're covered by God's grace. If this is what you truly do is you live and walk and talk in God's grace. Um, but we still need to cover our family. That's our job and to protect our family. Um, there's going to be cases where we're not always going to be protected, but we need to cover them in prayer. But we also need to pay attention to the facts and look it up. Darknesstolight.org is a very, very healthy, a very um, informative. Um, uh, it's a wonderful place that you can find all the answers that you need, the questions that you have, the way to have a conversation. It's one of these places that you can go online to really, really map out a plan on how to cover and protect your family. It's also a spirit-based uh, website, uh, organization, and it helps us to understand the, you know, the effects of sexual abuse. But it also helps us to know that no one is exempt. We need to understand by the facts. The facts are here. It's laid out. The devil already had a plan for you when you were little to destroy you. And the facts are laid out. What happens to you as a result? It happened to me. It's happened to many other people. It's obviously the truth. So we need to prepare. We need to, if we're, if we're going to be warriors in Christ or saints in Christ, we need to have a battle plan. We need to protect our family and our children. Just like he comes for us every day, we need to be prepared and come for him before he comes for us. Pray over it and speak about it and talk about it. These conversations must be had in order to keep your children aware of these things, not to get into close proximities by themselves with certain people and this and that. So it's, it's a lot entailed, but it's very resourceful, but it's also, it's also very easy to find. So um, if we just do the work, put in the work to cover our family, to cover our babies, because there's predators out there. And my thing is, yes, it's a bad and heinous thing. But even predators are sick and they need prayer. Everybody needs prayer or the whole thing. Satan's using them and destroying them as well while they're destroying other people. All of it has to be covered in the name of Jesus because God can do so much through the power of prayer and the belief that he can do all things. And that's what he can do because he did it for me. He gave me my dad back. In the midst of that, he gave me my father back and I, get to, I got to lead him to Christ. And many more people that I've been abused by so many people, I can't even count. But I don't even remember it anymore because that's the forgiveness. That's the key of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Like you said, when you truly let go, you can't just forgive and just take that weight off and then go pick it back up. That doesn't make any sense. We have to let it go and trust God. But we also have to do the homework mm -hmm. and we have to protect our family. That's our job. Mm -hmm. So that's my recommendation. And that's what I would um, highly, um, you know, ask all those mothers and fathers and grandmothers who are raising children or whoever's raising children to do is to do to the top of your ability what is necessary to protect your children. Because it, in the, I mean, it is, the devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He tries to steal our purity and innocence. That's the first thing he comes for. 
and then everything else follows. He wants to kill our body to finally destroy our soul. Mm-hmm. That's his job. Yeah. That's the only job he has. Yeah. And he's good at it. So we have to be better at preventing him from doing that. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for all of these wonderful suggestions of how we can um, protect our children, which is so important. And if you see a child, if you, if they, is there something that you, like an indicator that uh, would, you know, for somebody yes, who. When children become withdrawn and when they become more quiet. Okay. When they're not talking a lot, when all of a sudden you see, and, and I think as parents, we know our children, we got to be very mindful and pay attention to our kids' behavior patterns. So when they start, when they, when they shut down, uh, you can see when a child starts withdrawing, it's either being bullied or something happened to them. And the thing is to talk to them just like they're a child, not like an adult demanding. You have to speak to them on their level. So they're not scared because they're already scared enough. So we have to be very cautious in how we approach it and speak to them with love, but also let them know they're not, they're not in trouble. You're not in trouble. This is, you know, I love you and I just want you to, to, to be okay. So speak to mommy, you know, tell mommy, tell daddy if something happened or whatever, watch um, inside your household scenarios that are inside your household, even what there's, there's, there's molestation and, 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 and incest. Watch the things that are going on within your house, uh, the dynamic between your children when it changes, when something dramatic, like it's a dramatic change, where all of a sudden they begin to hate each other, okay? There's an indicator there. So you have to just keep your eyes pinned and focused. When you see these things, you address them head on. You have to address them because there's something wrong. And no child is willing to tell someone that they've been sexually abused. Mm-hmm. They're just not. And so it'll go on and on and on for their lives and they don't tell anyone, maybe never. Mm-hmm. And then you might have that child that's okay with telling. They're still uncomfortable about it because they're afraid of being in trouble mm-hmm. when they've done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's really important that we watch, watch our children's behavior patterns, watch how they get along as brothers and sisters, watch how a, person, a child gets along with someone in your home, an uncle or a friend that comes over. Keep an eye out for these things because mm-hmm. they'll show you in their way. They'll show you how they behave. They'll show you if all of a sudden they like someone and now they don't. Don't let certain people get too close to your children anyway. Mm-hmm. Period. Um, be mindful of that. Not everybody's, you know, you just can't trust that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's important that we just keep our eyes focused and um, our faith in Christ and cover our household. Bind Satan in the name of Jesus because he cannot steal and kill and destroy what does not belong to him. To read the details of Marquisa's story in her book called Testimony, get it on Amazon.com. Watch the latest and greatest interviews on YouTube and listen to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, and so many more. Get a copy of Nancy's latest book, Pray Attention, on Amazon.com, and then go to the website and shop the online store and share your faith. Go to thecallwithnancysebedo.com. Thank you for watching, and may the Lord richly bless you.